This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon, and Martin Keown asked if Roberto De Zerbi may have got away with one after escaping FA punishment for his comments about referees before the international break. Elsewhere, your Premier League weekend kicks off in style with Liverpool travelling to Manchester City at 12.30 tomorrow. And don't forget, you can catch the game live and exclusively on Talk Sport. Plus, is it more difficult for defenders in the modern era? Martin Keown lets us know how he would tackle it. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. So, much to my surprise, I'm having a a, a chat with Martin Keown, Arsenal Invincible, and at the corner of my eye, at 25 past nine, Mm. in comes Lord Jordan. Did the chauffeur get the times wrong this morning or what? No, Michelle's family visiting. <laughs> so He's out of order, isn't he? So you couldn't wait to get out of the house. <laughs> what a thing to He's have honest, said. Though. No, I, I wanted s- to give them more space. I see. Oh, you wanted to give them some space. Yes. That was very kind of you. I thought um, so. Well, your eyes were opened when you came in at that time in the morning because you see the place in a whole different light, don't you? Yeah. He does that. Mm-hmm. Look at what's going on over there. Yeah. There's Virgin Radio down the corridor there with Chris Evans and all them. I saw and you snuffling look- down on your pile of food like you do every single morning on the rare occasions when I come in here bacon egg sausages wasn't it disgusting what they eat and and just before you entered the building Mr Keown is gliding over one of the bridges here at the Thames listening to some music with his headphones on what are you just getting the Friday vibe are you just getting yourself loosened up for the three hours ahead I was actually it was was lovely a bit chilly fresh yes but nice yeah, just what music uh, do you march through. Martin, do I ask? I wasn't a bit Simon Garfunkel today. Bridge, oh, really? bridge over troubled bridge waters. Over trouble I was water. expecting yeah. some trouble oh. today. But, oh, okay. but Simon came in with a big smile on his face. So he did. I didn't know. Is it friend or foe? I don't know what's turning up each I'm week. I'm not sure anyway. what's going on with I'm him. I'm going to Spain for the weekend. That's why. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, you're going to Spain for the weekend, yes. are you? Uh-huh. I, I, I didn't realise that. You were unusually pleasant to almost everybody <laughs> around you. Uh, which Not was, Luke, I'm going to show you. Which was a first. We have a lot to get through this morning. We're streaming live on YouTube and Facebook. The Premier League is back. Thank goodness for that. That international break uh, seemed to go on for absolutely ever. Um, of course, it's different for, unlike Wales, it's different for like the Scots and, and the English who know they're already there next summer um, but they went into their internationals uh, played their games and now we're all back present and correct um, but one thing I want to get into right away Roberta De Zerbe before the international break it came away with something that raised an eyebrow or two you know on the referees here in the, the Premier League I'm not that fond of them I'm honest and clear I don't like the the eighty percent of England referee, but it's not uh, a new thing, no. Because uh, I don't like them. The behavior they they I don't like the the their behavior on the pitch. Uh, England is only one country where, when there is the VAR, you are not sure the decision is right. In the other country, okay, VAR. You have to be uh, sure, 100%. In England, no. And I'm not able to understand. <laughs> well, that was a Brighton boss before we all went off in an international break. I don't, mm. I, I don't really like 80% of the referees. Mm. Um, I mean, he goes off in the break, Simon, we're all left to mull over what he was saying. Should he be able to criticise referees like that without any punishment? Um, I don't particularly like it, and I don't particularly think it stands up to the sniff test about the understanding that everybody in every other country gets every VR decision right when they intervene, because that's what he's kind of saying. The bit about not liking 80%, well, I can see why he didn't get sanctioned, because he wasn't picking up on a specific set of circumstances yeah, in a yeah. specific instance. He got a formal warning. And Yes, and I think that's probably right to say, come on, we don't need any of this. And it's probably quite similar, albeit not quite as surreptitious, I was, I was underhand as the observation that Pep Guardiola made about all oh, these referees need to be a little bit more humble, mm. which was a dig at the impending increasing of authority. So I can see why he didn't get sanctioned. I don't think it's a constructive observation. I don't think it's steeped in any facts because I would imagine that there were similar, similar challenges in the VAR interventions in other parts of the world with the fact that the, the, the VRA, VAR temp- interpretation for the operatives is not 100% right. So it's a false comparison. And I also think, what's the point of saying that? You, uh, why why, why would agree. you say something yeah. like that? Why would yeah. you say, I don't like 80% of referees? Yeah. Because it seems to me an unnecessary statement. It's one of those things that you'd best keep to yourself. Well, that's right. And then I don't think um, he's just talking about the referees. Though, is I think the VAR as well. I think it's there's an issue of obviously of communication, of trust, and, and respect. And we are living through a, you know, this is the first time we've seen it to this extent. We've always had officials in the past. I looked through to see Sir Alex Ferguson was fined in 2011, thirty thousand pounds, five game ban for what he said to to an official. So we we've had the, a lack of respect for many years. But I think where it's actually getting worse is VAR. And the and the way the fact that the the managers at the games are in the dark completely. We saw this with even Pochettino. I think ran onto the pitch. He got particularly angry. I think he's one of the better ones. Mm. Do you think it's Do you think it's a coincidence that the refereeing fraternity are stepping up their desire to have more authority on the pitch, stepping up their positioning with players and simulation and time wasting, and then all of a sudden we're seeing even more noise which is dissentful towards refereeing. We're seeing these far-reaching, expansive statements. I don't like 80% of referees. Arteta's 
uh, outburst about the standards. The, yeah. the, uh, do, you, do you think that's a coincidence? All of a sudden that the game, the referees fraternity under Howard Webber going, we're going to grow a pair. Yeah. We're going to stop this nonsense. Yeah, but put yourself in, in the referee's shoes on a match day. You know, you're quite an isolated figure, aren't you? Yeah. So, the, and, and all that, the respect is, is disappearing. I know people are saying, and I saw your article recently and I thought you were right, but we can't blame what's happening at grassroots. You know, okay, I think it, some of it, some of people see games, it, yeah. some of it, they see it, but, you know, listen, don't point to that to blame it when you're out of order, you know, screaming at referees on the side well, on we, Sunday we, afternoon. What yeah. we do know, Martin, is that Arteta got clobbered um, and he faces his FA charge for what he said after the events up in the northeast against Newcastle. In the last few moments, he was asked, you get any update on that charge you face? We've been asked to, to give... Um, our observations, our opinion, and, and to run through um, everything that happened on the day, and, and that's what we're going to do. That's it. I, I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but if you could turn the clock back, would you say it all again, what you said, on, on the same thing? That's not possible. It's like in the game, I give the lineup, then I don't win, and I say, would you do the same one? Yeah. Easy, isn't it? <laughs> I hope we could do that and stop it and rewind say, well, well, give the ball to him instead of them we cannot do that unfortunately things go really fast you have to do that and uh, no, but I think it's good that we are communicating I think we have we want to improve the game all of us you know referees managers official owners sporting directors you guys we all want a better game that's it and to have a better game as well we have to have freedom of speech respectfully in a constructive way but we have to promote that. If not, you don't get better. That's for sure. And it's good that they are talking in front of the media and explain the situation. I think it brings clarity. Mm. What do you make of that, Simon? We have to have freedom of speech. Um, yeah, that's fine. Everyone has freedom of speech. And the fact he was asked there, you know, benefit of hindsight, would you have said what you said up at St James's Park? Would you have said what you said again? Well, he didn't want to answer that, did he? So I thought that was a little bit cowardly because you even meant what you said and, you, and, and take the consequences of it or you don't. Um, but just as an aside, given the parameters of, of what Arsenal did, I'm surprised Brighton didn't come in behind and support De Zerbi because that's the stock in trade these days, isn't it? I think the bigger criminals um, in terms of criminality are the Arsenal uh, board and directors that came in behind Arteta's statement. Look, Arteta's tempered it. Obviously, take out the emotion, look at the thing in the cold light of day, look at the consequences as a result of it, look at the furore, and of course, like most people that are sensible, which he is, he will have now adjusted his language over two or three weeks because he knows that possibly, whilst he holds those beliefs, to air them in the manner that he did only invites problems. And he'll now statesman-like through it and say, everybody discussing it, everybody having freedom of speech, everybody doing this is an advancement of the game. Well, okay, that's interesting that you've pivoted on that because ultimately you've probably been told to and as a consequence coming down the line that you probably won't bear anyway because your Arsenal board that supported you and it will probably pay it for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but look, you know, again I make the point which Martin didn't quite pick up on, which is the coincidence between an increasing in referees' authority and a suddenly a, a new level of dissent coming from managers that's moving beyond remonstrations to absolute assassinations. Mm. It seems to be directly related to this new scenario where the referees are going, we want to stop the nonsense. We want to control the games as we should do as referees. You're the players, you're the managers, we're the referees. And to see these outbursts, I, I fundamentally believe 
and I've written it on a couple of occasions, that there's an underlying resentment from the footballing mafia, be the managers and the players. They ain't having any of this refereeing uh, establishing its authority. Of course the referees got to get their acts together. Of course they've got to be beyond reproach and they shouldn't be excused for bad decisions. But the idea that they're advancing their authority on the game and that they are the authority on the pitch mm. is the right thing. And I really think the, 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 the players and the managers are not liking this. Well, but but no, I, but then you have to understand the frustrations of the managers. Okay, I think well, we understand that all they're too going well. to. They're we going to they that's are why going, we got VAR but, in the first place because we understand their frustrations. But what they'll see it, they'll see it as incompetence, won't they? They won't just see it as as human error. And the patient, they're running out of patience. So you're hearing this from a succession of managers that you know, eighty percent of them are, uh, are arrogant. I don't like them. There's no there's no real communication, and I think that's a shame that it's gone that way because I don't think VAR was ever brought in for this sort of situation. This business of uh, five days later explaining decisions, no, it's got to be on the day. That The skill set now for referees, if you're going to be a top referee now, you're going to have, we're going to do this But Matt, is it, is it not more poignant to suggest this morning, is it not timely to suggest this morning that the managers should shut up? Well, and accept, uh, accept what well, they're taking. They they have to take. Arteta is obviously I mean, uses Arsenal for, for Arsenal to go away now and you know rethink what rethink what they've they've what Arteta has said on that day and why they backed him and regurgitate everything again. For God's sake, move on. Move on. Well, Accept was, your punishment and move on. Well, it was three weeks ago and we're still bringing it back because he keeps getting asked the question. But what I'm saying is what he did it for was to improve VAR. And that's what we need to look for. I've talked about the technology. We've talked about... I'm you pretty, think it's, I'm pretty certain it's to improve this is going to change and it's going to get better. There's no doubt about that. The decision that. was right on the day. It has to. But what's fueling this, Jim, is, the dis is VAR. It's a discussion everywhere you go. If you're in bars, you're in clubs, you're in restaurants, wherever you are, VAR. Is, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I... I don't think it was fit for purpose when it was brought in. And we are... The general public are having it. We're suffering because The general that. public it's are creating having it. That's a huge bad news for anger. you. The anger that it creates People out there are having it. it. It wasn't fit for purpose. I'll tell you why you're right and you're wrong in the same sentence. It wasn't fit for purpose because the characterisation of it was, in, was, was incorrect. This was not the panacea. It was an aid memoir and an enhancement of a statistical anomaly, which is that we have to get 100% and we're never going to achieve it with just the naked eye on the pitch. We have, in fact, moved towards a greater statistical outcome. The consequence of it are, is it opens up another set of Pandora's boxes where there's always going to be decisions that VAR doesn't get involved in and needs more technology to advance it. Mm. So with all that in mind, and of course the overwhelming, overriding argument that most professional footballers and fans will concur with, which is the lack of spontaneity. If it fixes... If, you know, if, if it fixes the lack of spontaneity, we'll still have the argument about the percentage of, of mistakes that VAR make. But if we started from the premise that we've got... So let's say we got, if we started from the premise of we get 93% of the decisions right, but we're now going to get to 97% with VAR, well, we started from the position, the immature position of VAR's never going to get anything wrong. And from that moment... It was judged by a set of standards, like saying Marcus Rashford is a world-class player when he's not. It's judging him by a set of standards and then beating him up by the standards that he's been judged by, which are not fair standards in the first place. So I think it's been... I don't. Th I think you're right and you're wrong in the but same way. It's breath. the subjective decisions that anger the, the, the former players. But the you can't the get around subjectivity. You can if you involve some of the former players and some of the former referees. So we're, we're putting this game together, but we're not actually, are we, consulting... We're not consulting with well, the people that what, play the game. I tell you what, there was... A, and then I'll there's get, this arrogance I'll, comes I'll in. The the that they know best and, I'll, and the I'll players just you play. i the other side of this break, Martin. Uh, there was a poll of uh, people who follow football in this country and you're going to be gobsmacked by it. 
because most of them say, do you know what? It's fine. Get on with it. And Ryan, I like your message. I do wonder sometimes what these managers are on about. I, I, I watch a lot of football, European refs, whether it's Champions League, internationals, whatever. I think they're pretty dreadful. But they make our referees look top drawer. Even with all the mistakes that we're led to believe go on. This is all just whining over here. People here... Managers here need to get on with Can it. Can you ask the Spurs? I'm the, absolutely the, with you Jim, on that. I agree. You, listen, Jim, you, you, there you are with a sermon and you've got your script and you're reading from it. So I'm going to react. <laughs> I'm going to react. So if you, were a fan, if you were a fan, Spurs versus Chelsea, and you were in that stadium, right, you didn't have a clue what was going on. There was five goals disallowed and everybody in the stadium was just looking at each other. They were to ring home to find out what was going on. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Premier League referees are being helped by British Airways pilots to better master the art of communicating under pressure. You'll remember on the, the, the occasion that Diaz scored against uh, Tottenham, Simon, the deliberation thereafter, it was, there was a real babble of conversation going on uh, between those on the pitch and those off it. And really, it was impossible to work out who was saying what and why. Well, the pilots apparently gave a presentation to top flight officials as part of a drive to improve the precision of language. Mm. And the two pilots, Chris Heaven, what a great name, Indeed. and Pete Nataraj, gave a presentation to the select group officials on the need for clarity and accuracy. Minimal syllables, no padding, none of the well done boys, good stuff. Move on, good process. Cheers, mate. All that informality yeah. needs to go. And the pilots come in, they're direct. This is how you say it. This is what you, you mean and get on with it. I'm just somewhat bemused at the industry they've turned to for a bit of help in this one. Well, given that most of the time that I encountered the pilots is announcing the latest delay on the plane, <laughs> yes. I would have thought it was pretty apt. Um, look, I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, we can parody everything, but I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at ways to enhance and sophisticate and to improve. It, people will look at it and say it's ridiculous what they're going to do, doors to manual and cross-check. But <laughs> I, I look at it and say anything that enhances, like Dave Brailsford talks about in various different spaces, and he may well end up being very influential at Manchester United, it's a sum of marginal gains. And if they're looking at ways, when, when sports stars bring in, when, you know, back in the day when people brought in Paul McKenna to hypnotise players to make them play better, or when sports psychologists came in to do certain things, people took that as a an expansion of people's thinking and an enhancement. Because it's the PGMOL, because it's the culture of refereeing, because refereeing, everything refereeing does is open to interpretation or a ridicule or parody or disrespect, I don't look at it and say, well, if it's, if we, if it's, if it's universally considered, it must have come from somewhere, the intellectual oh, yeah. capital yeah. must have come from somewhere that the airline industry and the manner in which pilots communicate is effective and efficient. Mm. And if we're saying, and quite rightly so, that that babble of uninterpretable um, information that was being parried, uh, passed around that control that room and, and the yeah. Spurs-Liverpool game needs to enhance itself and improve, then fair play to them. Okay, fair I mean, play to them. I, I'm, I, is it forward thinking, Martin? I'm kind of bemused by it, but if if what Simon is saying is right, yeah, sure, give it a chance. Yeah, but I, I, I'm really surprised at your your approach to this, Jim, because we have to think out of the box a little bit, don't we? And in a way, I suppose if the referee is the sort of pilot of the, of the match, an automatic <laughs> pilot is VAR. Think of it in that manner. 
and then like and the pilot then, an airplane. So who is flying? Who is flying the plane? This is the problem. But yes, it's kind of those messages. You know, it's like uh, a firm approach, Mayday. You know, all of these. I suppose we need a, a level <laughs> of we need a level of. If speak. we get to Mayday, then the game's <laughs> what are you going to hear? Then chocks away. Yeah. Yeah. Mayday might cause some confusion. Yeah, but we need to get. Yeah, we need to write the the right sort of language because every time I've heard the VAR. Uh, room. It seems like everyone's talking at once. It doesn't really feel that anybody's completely in, in charge. And we need to sort of minimise what's being said. So there has to be a kind of like a behaviour. There has to be an approach. So they've, they've tried to look at uh, other areas. It's, just, it's a professional approach, Jim, really. Um, Can you imagine what would happen if we had players in there? They'd be talking about what tattoos they were getting, what Bentley had recently bought. We'd have to listen to all that, wouldn't <laughs> we? Pressing all sorts of buttons, <laughs> wouldn't they? So is this the right direction? You know, a couple of British Airways pilots, sensors in the ball, as you were saying. Well, I mean, we... we is this where we're going? Think, is this what we should... Well, we I, the, hello, is that IFAB? Listen to what we've come up with. <laughs> the ball starts talking to you. Yeah, well, that's it, right. It, it a was, talking ball. Well, it was, I think it was Wilbur. I was not Jim, was just, just the, the first aviation <laughs> flight we had, Wilbur and Orville Wright, was, that was 1903. <laughs> Yeah, aviation's come I a hell of a long way, but will VAR catch up quickly? I, I Here we are, twenty twenty three. Carry on, Martin. <laughs> well, I made my point. It's like it's old. It, we we yeah. are looking to another industry to see why There's not. It's wonderful. Why not? Flying but machines. we need to get better quicker. And as I said, the technology uh, needs to be there as well to help the guys in the VAR okay. room. All right. It's proven as well, Jim. Let's the guys who work in the VAR room. It doesn't necessarily have to be a former referee. Let's get somebody in there. You know, some whiz kid in yes. there. People understand things very quickly. Let's pick get it former up. aviation captain. And you can draw lines as well. William Fotherington Smythe to go in and chucks away. Good. The goal is good. The goal is good. It's quarter to 11. A lot to get through uh, this Friday morning. We shall leave the subject of VAR. Hopefully we'll have no VAR conversation come Monday morning. Something seems to suggest to me that we will, almost inevitably. But uh, it would just be good, in my view. And I'm not being walkish and I don't give a damn who thinks I am. If the referees just got on with it, if the if the managers just got on with it and accept it, and crack on with the game and win matches, because that's what you're there to do. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Download Stand Well Back 
Listen, Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Manchester City have won the title for a fifth time in six seasons. You need someone that pulls you from behind to realise, oh my God, we are there, we are close. And how the boys from the cop would love to floor Pep for Klopp. It's a game, you play against City. It's the most difficult game of the season in every season. And it's that man again, Erling Haaland. They're the best team in the world. Gives it back to Bernardo Silva, 2-0, magnificent goal. When Liverpool get to the finishing line, they've always pushed us all the way to the last day. Brilliant finish on the half volley by Mo Salah. It is a stunning goal from Darwin Nunez. If you could reserve a seat for any sporting event this weekend, this would be it. Oh, Sam, you are right. Live and exclusive in Talk Sports. The Premier League is back and it's Manchester City against Liverpool. Simon's alongside me. So too is Arsenal Invincible, Martin Keown. Martin, I mean, when you look at it, how, is, how important is it to psychologically get one over your title rivals uh, in a season? I mean, at this particular time in the season, what would it mean to Liverpool in the longer term to win tomorrow? I think it's immensely important for Liverpool because this is kind of a new group now with, with Jurgen Klopp. They fell away massively last year, but yes, they've been the team in and around City. That's becoming the fixture in, in modern day times. But you're going to what is the equivalent of Fort Knox, really, going to the Etihad to play against Man City. Jim, they're just about, and I don't want this to be a history lesson, but they're just about to, to if they can win again, a win again this weekend, that'd be 24 consecutive wins at home on the bounce for Man City. It just shows you how complete they've been now in the last two or three seasons. They're quite magnificent. Yeah. Um, now, whether they can do that, it's up to Liverpool, really. They, they, they now play a slightly different game. They used to be used to be the best passers versus the best pressers, as we, as we used to bill it. Now it's something different. I think Liverpool are trying to play a little bit more football. Um, they have a group of players, though, that still, for me, apart from Salah apart, the rest of their front line have still got some work to do to convince me that they're they're consistent enough in their performances. Hmm. So but, I'm. Uh, but you that, think it's impactful this early in the season? We're still in November. Of course, it has to be. Yeah. You know, they can go top of the table. You know, so that's a, a huge incentive for them. Um, they went to Spurs and got a draw earlier in the season. I think they, Liverpool have uh, the only game they've lost was was against Spurs, um, which was um, you know a tough afternoon for them, shall we say? We, I don't want to bring VAR back into the thing, Jim. Please don't. Let's just eject that for a moment, VAR. I like okay? that. Could do with an eject button. Couldn't I like we? that. There's a message. Jim so, looks like he could run the cabin service on Talksport Airways in that outfit. Thank you. He's quite um, right. He's quite right, actually, isn't he? So. So yeah, you so, think, yes, it is impactful. It but, is I, impactful. but I don't quite see the magic in this Man City team, but that's mostly away from home. At home, they've been quite magnificent. Mm. But we're, it's, a, it's a new team, isn't it? Without OK, Rodri wasn't around when they lost the games to Wolves and they lost to Arsenal. Uh, no Gundogan, as we know, I think it's a huge miss. And when they went to the Emirates earlier this season, Arsenal won, I, didn't, I thought they lacked a bit of that magic. I can still see the pattern of movements, the triangles, the next generation coming along, but not quite the magic in the really big games. And this is a huge game for them yeah. albeit at home so you see them as the favourites uh, but Liverpool now are, are starting to change gear with their with their performances so uh, they uh, will have an, an impact tomorrow How many are in this title race would you say Simon? Are we talking about Manchester City Liverpool and Arsenal or Tottenham there as well in fourth? No I think the three that you described are primarily in the title race <coughs> I think the argument was being made that Tottenham will be in it I think Tottenham will be in the top four um, so if you think that the top four in a title race, I think that's probably uh, a four zero, and because atypically the fourth spot normally is quite some significant away 
from the top of the league. So I do. I think it's I think it's Man City, Liverpool, and Arsenal, and I think it probably falls into that order at the end of the season. It's interesting, Danny Murphy sitting in that chair you're sitting in today, um, Martin. He said Liverpool have the edge over Arsenal. Regards being City's closest contenders. This is Danny. It's firepower for me with those two. That's the key. I think there's lots of arguments with Liverpool Arsenal where you can say you'd rather have him than him and all that. We could go there all day. And the managers both, you know, terrific guys doing doing good things. Klopp's obviously got more experience. Of course, yeah, Klopp's got more experience. I'd say yeah. But when you look at Liverpool's firepower compared to Arsenal, so I've just mentioned Nunes, Salah, and Diaz would be my front three, and then you've still got Jota and Gapko to back them up. I don't think when you name Arsenal's, you feel the same. No. You know, so Liverpool's firepower for me is what I, when I look at the two teams now, gives me, I think they'll finish above Arsenal because of their firepower. Liverpool got the edge, do you think, Martin? Well, Firepower? I, I, I think it, it, if we just look at the names and we look at, the, uh, at those players individually, you, you could say that. You could say that, but not if they don't go and perform. Not if they don't show some consistency. You know, like you look at it, Gagpo's a, a, a wonderful talent. Hasn't really clicked yet. Jota has been uh, injured quite a lot of his time at, at Liverpool. Diaz has dealt with some really difficult things, hasn't he, this season? We know that his father was kidnapped. What, uh, what an horrific thing to go through. Uh, Nunes, incredible talent, but hit and miss in front of goal. So that needs to settle. If he really clicks, then that looks good. Salah's the one proven player. You know, he's done it. He's been there. He was part of the Mane Firmino uh, threesome that was outstanding. When I looked at the Arsenal group, and I say, well, OK, we've got Saka and Martinelli, I think, are pretty damn good. And they've been good for the last two, two years. They're very, very consistent. Jesus sits in a, in a box all on his own where when he's at his peak, you know, as we saw in the, in the Champions League, he was quite magnificent. Assisted one and scored one, but then he gets injured. So then there's this inconsistency of, of, of regularity of performance. We can't so really Danny Wright, be sure. Liverpool just got the edge. Well, then it's down in Ketier, Trossard and Nelson. And you could say, OK, looking at the names, then they're behind. But again... Who takes the opportunity? Who seizes that opportunity? It, it can look good on paper. Liverpool probably does look better on, be on paper, but they've got to go and do it. And then this weekend represents an opportunity to do that, Jim. So it's now that you, you start to fulfil your potential. And Klopp will be beating that drum. Yeah. But Arsenal, don't dismiss Arsenal because if they click again, we know. But you have to look beyond that. You have to look into the midfields. Liverpool, brand new midfield now, Jim. Completely new midfield. No Milner, no Henderson. All these guys have left the building. Um, and I like the look of um, Declan Rice coming into that Arsenal midfield. I know there's still work to do. There's still mm. surgery in there. Mm. No Partey most of the season. Havertz hasn't really clicked. But I tell you, he's one hell of a player and he could make a huge difference in that midfield. Sam, I mean, football loves a conspiracy theory, doesn't it? So here we've got Manchester City against Liverpool this week. And apparently there have been complaints raised regards Chris Kavanagh, the referee's appointment, um, people calling out the fact that Kavanagh, on social media by and large, but Kavanagh, of course, was born in Ashton under Lyme in Greater Manchester, five miles from the Etihad. Hang on, that must make him a City fan. Yeah. I mean, where do you go with this kind of thing? It, it grows arms and legs, it starts, and then it rolls and rolls and rolls. I mean, I'm assuming that they would have done the appropriate checks and balances and understand who they're putting in place to referee in games. And if we're going to make decisions based upon social media and certain contributions from social media, then we're not going to get very far. So I, I think it's a ridiculous scenario. And of course, if you, if, you, if you wanted to look into most situations, you could find some indexing to something that you might find unpalatable or unfair or disadvantageous to you. And the interesting, going back to Martin's point about the firepower at Liverpool and, and the comparative firepower at Arsenal, I understand his point, but if you look at the goal-scoring ratios of Nunes and Jota, 
uh, and Gakpo, they are scoring one goal, one goal in three. You look at Arsenal's firepower, at best it's scoring one in three. Mm. You know, you've got Martinelli doing significantly less than that. The only person that's getting near one goal in three is Jesus. And he, and that is hit and miss with his injury record. And then you've got Nketiah. So I think Danny is right. I do think that the firepower at Liverpool yeah. is significantly greater. Yeah. And if you look at their performances... And on, and on, but on they have to deliver, don't they, Liverpool now? But they're delivering, they're, the same, but delivery, they're delivering on the same basis. And if you look at the new midfield players that Liverpool have got in there, this is a, I think this is a massive upgrade from what they had last season. Look at the Hungarian the boy they've got in there. He's a proper player. Um, and also, um, you know, they've got Alexis McAllister, a World Cup winner. That's a very, very. So I think Liverpool are the side, and I think Arsenal, like I said earlier on in the in the year, needed to spend as much money as they did to even have a chance of standing still, let alone progressing. Is that a conversation that players have, Martin, about the referee? Oh, you see who we've got today, so and so. You know who he likes. You know where he's from. You know who he likes. No, I don't think I've ever met a referee. I don't know where Jim. Where you could, could I don't know where the hell you got that from. Uh, that you say that some people are complaining about where he comes from. I, I, I haven't read that. I haven't seen that. It feels mischievous to me. I, I'm not worried about where the referee comes from. I just want him to be fair and honest. I expect him to have been come through all those levels, mm. Mm. and he's put all his life into being a referee. I, I'm, I'm hoping for honesty. Call me a naive, call me old-fashioned, but that's what I'm hoping for, and I'm really expecting you that from Kavanaugh this weekend. Did you not used to call out Mike Dean quite a lot? No? Call him out? Yeah. As to... What, on the pitch? Well, on this show, you've you've called him out a fair bit. Give me an example of well, what calling bang, him out. You know, that he, I think he I could, said when he went yeah. to work in the VAR room that, oh, everything's going to be fine now, is it? And I think he proved that that wasn't... He didn't Did you not say he used to be a bit anti-Arsenal? Well, there can be that feeling, but if he's the referee well, on the day, go. you have to wrestle with that emotion and get on with it and be Just a little bit anti-Arsenal. Uh, where do we get it from? Well, we get it from the phenomenon that is social media, which is available to everybody. You should get on it, Martin. And this week, there has been a lot of babble and talk, most of it rubbish, albeit, that uh, this man, Kavanagh, might just favour City because he comes from Ashton Underline. But I agree with you. It's nonsense. It's rubbish. Um, but it's there and it's real. It happens. I'm sure Mr. Kavanagh is into it in a completely unbiased, impartial nature. It's live in Talk Sport. It is uh, Manchester City against Liverpool. Thank goodness Premier League is back. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. You'll be delighted to know, Mr. Keon, we are about to talk about the area of the field in which you excelled. Because uh, Harry Maguire the bench. of uh, Manchester United. <laughs> yes, the substitutes bench. Let's concentrate on that. Harry Maguire of Manchester United has called in the Premier League to take a stand against soft penalties and raise the threshold uh, for what spot kicks are awarded for. Um, the awarding of penalties are an all-time high right now in the Premier League over the past five years. Harry, in the meantime, is saying it's blinking hard to defend anymore. No, it was a crazy decision. I've said it for numerous months now. I think it's it's making life even harder for us defenders. We're playing against the... Uh, even in the Premier League, week in, week out, we're playing against top-quality players, forwards, and we, 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 can't, we can't move our body. We can't, we can't defend. You can't make contact. You can't put your arms out. Um, it's just making, it's making it too harsh, too soft penalties. So, of course, that was uh, off the back of the international break, Harry speaking there. Um, Martin Keown, as I said, your, your area of the pitch in the past, Harry is saying you should be able to defend. You should be able to move your arm. You should be able to move your body. You should be able to make contact. You should be able to move your hands and get there. Has the advantage swung 
too far in favour of the attacker today. Well, I mean, they outlawed, didn't they, tackling him from behind. Um, and of course, that you want to protect the, the, the kind of beautiful players, the ones that play with that panache and quality. And we, it's a great product. We want to protect the best players, you know. But I wonder now, Jim, has it gone a little bit too far? I mean, it's just like, it's interesting because... Because Simon talks about finding solutions, so I'm trying to find one here. So I'm trying to try to link a punishment with what would be seen as maybe cheating uh, if a player dived in a game. So if I'm up against you, Jim, this weekend, yeah, and you take a dive, okay. Now I believe if you get booked for diving just once, and you repeat that, and you get booked the next time, then you miss the next two matches. So let's start to punish the players for diving because I do feel it's conning. The players, it's conning the referee, it's bringing VAR in, it's creating all this nonsense, and we need to stamp down hard on players that want to dive. Yeah, so sure. I mean, how do you say penalties are given for everything, absolutely everything? Yeah. So the, if people are trying to seek that, you know, gain an advantage by diving, then what we should do? You book, you get booked once. You everyone can get away with that once. But if you do it again and you were booked previously for for diving, then you get booked again. You miss two matches, or let's increase it to three games. So well, let's just get tough on that element, okay? Could so, you defend in today's game? Of with, course, you find you find a without way without running you, into similar trouble like Harry is mentioning. Well, uh, it is. I mean, I was a contact defender, so I probably would have had to adjusted slightly because. You know, a lot of the a lot of the front players are just going to throw themselves to the floor, aren't they? They're asking you that question. You want to touch me? I'm going to fall over. So you're I, when I see a corner and a, a defender's marking someone with his back completely to play, I don't think there's any escape from that. I think you, you know, you've got to get the right balance. This is, I think, what Harry's talking about is bumping, is is getting your arms up, and then all of a sudden you, there's a penalty against you. I, I also, Jim, and I, I don't really want to go back to the VAR, but I'm going to. So this 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 thing that in the game that needs consultation is what is deemed to be a natural or unnatural position. I think that that is not really been clarified, and there are situations where the ball bounces off your leg, hits your arm, and they're giving a penalty against you. That that probably needs to change, and that all goes against the defender, Jim. I'm diving in the way of a shot; it comes off my leg and hits my arm. How on earth, you know? How can you, you say that? No control the... over that. No, it, absolutely. So things have changed. Um, yeah, and it does seem to go against the defender. I wondered this weekend now, after the Gabriel situation where Joe Linton has two hands on his back, I wonder now if we'll see a bit more protection for defenders in those similar situations on something we haven't even looked at for, for generations. We might look at it now. Hmm. I think Harry's making a point, Simon. I mean, every now and again, I think, oh, no, surely not. Surely not. That's harsh on the defender. And I'm not just saying this because Mr. Keown is sitting to my left. Yeah. But I think it's true. I mean, Harry is right. You should be able to defend. It's an art form. We used to call it an art form. Yeah. You should be able to move your arm. You should be able to move your body. You should be able to make contact. I see. I think Martin's position is right. I think if what's source for the goose is source for the gander. And there should be a, a stronger attitude towards uh, attackers um, putting themselves in a position where they con and buy and simulate and get penalties and get out outcomes and even when they don't get them they just get a finger waved at them maybe there's a booking I do think there should be an equal because the ultimate consequence for getting a challenge wrong or getting involved in something that now considers to be not the ability to defend in the box is a penalty and, and sometimes even being sent off so I do think it should be equaled the bigger question I suppose is is that's one thing, you know, you could say, you know, an eye for an eye, two, two wrongs don't make a right, and suggesting that ultimately it needs to be more strident uh, uh, officiating of attackers doing things in a certain way doesn't sort of deal with the argument, really, of whether the art of defending in the box is now being sacrificed mm. because football is the entertainment business and we're in the business of seeing goals. 
and, and whether that's been played into the minds of those that make the decisions about how football should be played and should be entertained and should be engaged and how defenders should be in a situation where they can defend certain things, I think is is a challenging one because it's it's one of those where the genie's out of the bottle now. People are seeing more goals in games. Um, people are seeing uh, a, a level of, of expectation from challenges inside the box and to reverse that trend is difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that the major exponent of telling us how to defend should be Harry Maguire. Um, but, yeah, but he's right, though. It's a, it's a contact sport, says Harry. Starting with the biggest league in the world, which is the Premier League. They need to set the standard and the threshold needs to be a bit higher than it is at the moment. He's right. This is his area of expertise, whether people scoff at that or yes, not. Yes, maybe. I mean, and of course, we could have the argument, because it won't suit us to do so, that um, we talk about officialdom and we talk about our managers telling us that the officials around the world are, are far better than ours. I would suspect our sport has more contact than any of the other leagues in terms of the Premier League. We, we pride ourselves on the fact that we are slightly more physical than any of the other European leagues. So the idea that we are actually probably more tolerant yeah. and probably more priced into and baked into our thinking about giving a little bit more dispensation to the defending side of the game than any other leagues might, in some respects, countermand some of Harry Maguire's arguments. I think that if you, if you look at the art of defending and people start talking about you know the shopping list of the skill set that you need, I think time spent on the training ground is, is more with the ball than it whatever was in, in our day. Yeah. Um, I prefer to actually stitch in all of the sort of the, the nice habits for a defender, Jim. First of all, and we always, you know, one of the things I'd like messages for the defenders are, you know, in possession. When you're in possession, be in position. So don't just switch, you know, switch off when the ball is the other end. So many times I see defenders. Oh, hold on a minute. Where, where's the problem? Uh, once we lose possession of the football, no, you have to see these things unfold. You have to be mm. that type of mm. character yeah. that yeah. sees those things. Position, body shape in the in the box. You know, how I sort my feet out. I worked really hard at all these elements. Left foot over right foot so I could try to jump as high as I possibly could. Body, you know, bumping into players. Um, all these things. Now, it, it does affect you if you if one of those things you try and use your body, like in basketball, you know, for the backboard gym. Did you play basketball at school? Well, you use your body. You lean against your opponent, apparently in a non-contact game. It was yeah. one of the most contact yeah. games I've ever played. Learned a lot from that sport. Where was the biggest ever injustice as far as you were concerned in, in your time in, in, in the top flight? Whenever, defender, whenever anyone, when did it happen? When anyone ever died for a penalty and you knew there was no contact, you felt incensed. You felt like you'd been cheated and wronged and it was very difficult to hold it in. So whenever I see that on a pitch and I just see the player run off with no... There's, there's no consequence. There's no jeopardy for that player who dives. Mm. The referee just says, wait, wait, play on. It's hold on a minute. He's yeah, taken a cool. dive. And the next one, you're thinking, I want to leave a little bit here. I want to put a reducer in because I've got to mm. sort this out for myself. Referee's not sorting it out. And that one, you get it wrong, it is, and it is a penalty. Do you think there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a challenge as a result of this propensity for the desire to play out from the back, that they're creating more problems for themselves by doing that? No, I think it's the right way to build the game up. If you can play that way. Yeah, but the coaches need to have the pathway for those players to develop the, the passage of play through the midfield. It's very clear. I think it's very interesting watching teams how they do that this weekend. Just watch when the keeper gets the ball. Uh, the player has the most touches now as the keeper. And in, in the really top teams, that's really that's imperative. But it's how you develop. You, you're opening doors through the team, through the compartments of the team. And then it's like, I don't necessarily blame the players. I blame the managers when I see there's no way through. for the for, they're not, They need to find the solutions. Those patterns of movements to try and open doors. Pep is a master at that. But it's obviously having the right players with the right tactics 
And those players have got to be in that moment to, to take it forward. We're now seeing the inverted fullback, aren't we, for fun? People will. They're trends. They're, I wouldn't say they're copying, but where else would you play Alexander-Arnold this weekend now in this game against against Man City? This is going to be a, an epic midfield battle, this one, mm. unless it is that Liverpool are deciding to go and press high up the pitch, which is what mm. they can do, but maybe that's almost the easy way how, out. How would you be playing out from the back? Would you have been all we right were. with that? Well, if you, Jim, it was transformational. When we played uh, in 96, 97, the year before we won the league, you know, it was unrecognisable. The likes of Steve Bowl, Tony Asmus passing the ball out. People were saying, Glenn Hoddle, uh, when I got back into the England squad, I uh, spoke to Bob Wilson and said, how long's you know, this three been playing like this? And he said, well, for the last six months, right, he's, he's in my squad the next game. Because everyone could see it was it's the final piece in the jigsaw, wasn't it? Every defender now has to be able to pass the ball. But where are the defenders out there? We're losing maybe a generation of defenders. Um, I believe in some of the uh, what we're using and what they because they're this obsession yeah. with passing the ball out from the back. We're losing some of the, the the important building blocks they need in their education for defending. But on on what Harry is saying, you're with them. You should be able to defend. You should yeah, but, be able to move your but arm. Less and less is available for move you your know body. To, to a player, isn't it? To to get their body in the way. Yeah. To try to lean on people, um, and what you want is honest opponents, and to make them honest. There has to be a jeopardy. And I'm suggesting, and Simon likes ideas, he likes to find solutions, I'm suggesting you get booked, Jim, this weekend for diving next week, you get two-game suspension. What about the, the, the time Pires done it? Was it Portsmouth? Uh, at Portsmouth? <laughs> at home against Portsmouth? You, you've not he thought about yourself, have you? The Invincible Someone, season. Someone's shouting you, that in your ear. It's him, it's the Oak out there. The Invincible. Did you pull him after that? I'd say, whoa, well, that was out of order, say, Robert. In your opinion, it was a dive, was it? Well, what, what did you? You were there. You were in it. What did you I, think? I, I didn't. I was. I was on the bench. Apparently, wasn't I? I didn't see it. But, or you didn't see I was it. With the boss. Hold, hold on, right? We're talking about an evolution in the game since then, right? So come on, you're going to pull him up for something that happened with Robert Pires 25 years ago. We're now talking about current defending. So Martin's suggestion is about the behaviour of players in the modern game as it is now under the new auspice or new rules where defenders can't defend. So, so, so your mean-spirited nastiness provoked outside there by mini-me. Right. Is Martin Keown <laughs> your new best friend? No, but fair's fair. So we didn't have VAR fair's then, fair. did we? To solve it all. Did Pitters dive that day? I've, I've no idea, Jim. Oh, you couldn't see it. You were behind Arsenal you may think the bench, that, but I couldn't you? possibly comment. What did Eustace Banger used to say? Yeah. I didn't see it. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back on Monday to bring you the best of the show.